Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. If someone were to ask you, what are you? Now, they didn't ask your name, where you live, what do you do for a profession? They asked the question, what are you? How would you describe yourself? One of the best answers to that question is, I am one that worships the living God. Now, why is that important? Because that's why God created us, to worship him, to serve him, to bring him glory. And in order to do that, worship is foundational. We cannot be pleasing to God if we are not committed to worshiping him. And God has given us a very effectual tool for worshiping him. And I'm speaking about what we're going to study, and that is the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, we find in that book the prayers of God's people. And we need to realize that God, for who he is, he is worthy always of worship. And not only because of who he is, but the wonderful things that he does. And worshiping God is not simply going to a congregation weekly or several times during a week, or meeting with people and praising and praying and studying God's word. Worship can also be, and there should be an emphasis on this, you individually worshiping God day in and day out, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. And you say, well, how can I do that alone? Very simply, read the book of Psalms. When we prayerfully read and praisefully offer them up to God, we are going to be worshiping God, and that worship is going to bring about a change in our life, a godly change, a righteous change. Learn this principle. We were made to worship God, and we will only become what God wants us to be, doing the things he wants us to do with the understanding, that wisdom, that knowledge, if we take seriously his command to worship him. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 47. Now, this is a psalm that speaks to us in a very straightforward, simple way. We see who God is, and we see the wonderful things that he has done and will do. And because of this wonderful program of God, his plan, his purpose is simply stated his will. We ought to worship him. And we need to do that not just one hour a week or a few times a week, but throughout the day. Worship 
should be the foundation of your life. And faith always leads to, one, worshiping God. So let's begin the book of Psalms, Psalm 47, and it opens up with an inscription. As you probably know, in Hebrew, the first verse is this inscription that begins with the phrase, Lanatzeach. This is a term that means the chief musician, the orchestra leader. But as I've said a few times, within this word is a word for victory, a word for bringing defeat upon the enemy. And it just highlights the fact that if we want to live a victorious life for him, that we're going to place worship as a priority in our life. So to the chief musician, by the sons of Korach, this group of Levites, and then it says, Mizmor, a psalm. And this term psalm, again, I've mentioned it before. The same word in a different noun construction has to do with, with pruning shears. Those, those clippers that are used to get rid of things that are not, are not helpful, that are not based in some advantageous, advantageous part of a plant. So we get rid of that, and the message is this. It is worship that illuminates for us things in our life that we need to get rid of. In other words, when I worship God, part, and I would suggest to you a large part of the worship experience is falling under conviction. And that's why it's so problematic today when people, they don't want to attend a congregation, they don't want to go to some conference if there's going to be messages that might convict them, that might make them uncomfortable. Worship does that. Because as we get closer to God, the Bible says one explanation of God, one of his characteristics is God is not just love, but God is light. And that is he illuminates me. I see myself through worship from his vantage point, his perspective. And therefore I learn there are things in my life that are not pleasing to him, things that I need to get rid of, things that God convicts me of. So if we're not interested in learning how God sees us, we're not wanting to fall under conviction. What we're saying is, God, you are not important enough to me to change. Oftentimes, we make changes in our life because of the people we love. Well, we should make changes in our life because we love God. So we read here, verse 2 in the Hebrew text, verse 1 in most other Bibles. All the peoples, and it's in the plural. It is a very broad and inclusive term. All the peoples, and what does it say? Well, it literally means, and it has a word kaf, which is the palm of your hand. And the next word means to make a noise, a sound. So obviously it's speaking about clapping. And this is one of the biblical verses that lets us know that giving God applause, clapping our hands before him, is an appropriate act 
of worship. And it's interesting because clapping hands goes well beyond one or two or a dozen different cultures, but it, it permeates throughout all cultures, this expression. So make noise unto God by clapping your hands, acknowledging him, giving God applause. It is a term of thanksgiving. And thanksgiving comes from acknowledgement. So he says here, acknowledge him is the implication. All you people, everyone is supposed to acknowledge God in their life. And the context is we acknowledge God in our life through worship. Then it says, and it's in the plural, referring to all the peoples. It says, shout unto God. With the voice of, and this next word, rina, is a word full of great emotion. Some say it relates to a expectant victory, that, that God is going to move in the behalf of these individuals. So we're supposed to shout, shout joyfully to God, who is the source of victory. And we need to be people that acknowledge that. God is going to bring victory into my life. Why? He's bringing me into a, a kingdom, his kingdom, a kingdom of glory, a kingdom of perfection, a kingdom where the blessings of God and the presence of God dominate this, this kingdom. Verse, verse 3 in the Hebrew text, verse 2 in most other Bibles, for the Lord most high. Now, what it's speaking about here is that he is supreme. And when we talk about this term, word says, Hashem Elyon, it implies that he is over us and it's a call. And we'll see this in a moment. It is a call to submit, surrender, yield to him. Now, yielding is indeed an acknowledgement that someone has the right way. And it's God who has the right way for all things. So I need to submit to him in every aspect of my life. Here's where problems arise. When there are certain areas in my life or your life that we don't want God messing with. We don't want God knowing. We don't want God influencing. We want to keep to ourselves. God, I'll give you this. God, I'll do that. But these things, they're, they're my life. They're, they're for me. They're very personal to me. This is not the way of a servant of God. We want to bring all things before our Lord. And therefore, we read here, for the Lord most high is, and what's this next word, nora, meaning awesome. Now, it comes from the Hebrew word for fear. So because God is an awesome God, we are called to fear him. What does that mean? Give him priority over, and here's the key, over all things. We should be men and women of faith that we invite God into every aspect of our life. There's nothing that we want to conceal, something that we don't want his influence on. When we hold back, 
it is faithlessness. Because we serve a God who is awesome. For the Lord Most High, He is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. And the implication is, if he's the great king over all the earth, shouldn't he be over every aspect of your life? So one of the things you can do is to just stop for a moment and pray to God, God, is there anything in my life that I haven't turned over to you, that I am unsubmissive about? that I'm controlling, that I'm governing, that I'm the Lord of rather than you, those things are going to be the areas of attack by the enemy. He's going to identify those things, and he's going to try to get a foothold in them in order to move you away. So the only solution for that is inviting God to have lordship. He's the Lord but inviting him to have influence, authority over every aspect of your life. And then notice what it says in the next verse. Now, if you look at this just quickly in the Hebrew, you would think it would say, Yidaber, he will speak. But when you look at it carefully, it's not Yidaber, but it's Yadber. So what difference does that make? Well, Yidaber is in the PL, which is for this verbal step, it means he will speak. But what it's in the Hifil, a different verbal construction, same root word, but in a different grammatical form. And because of that, it does not say that he will speak, but he will, will bring submissiveness. He is going to rule. Subdue might be a way that your Bible translates it. Now, how does he do it? With his word. It is his word he will speak, but here his speaking is going to bring things to become submissive, subdue to him. This is a vital principle. Why? We learn. The more that I encounter God's word, the more that he's speaking to me, and one of the things that is an invitation for God to speak to you, to communicate with you, is worship. From a personal standpoint, I can tell you this. When I go through the book of Psalms, when I'm prayerfully and praisefully going before God, reading Psalms, one of the things that I open myself up to is God's counsel, God's leadership in my life. And this is where God most, most prevalently speaks to me, through worship. So when you're not interested in worshiping God, what you're saying is, God, I, I'm not really interested in hearing you. I don't want to know what your thoughts are, what your plans are, what you expect from me, what you're instructing me. So one who worships God is the opposite. We want to know what God wants to communicate to us. We want to know what his will is. We want to know how to serve him. We want to know areas in our life that are displeasing to him. Why? Because our new condition is very different from the world. The world wants things their way. A godly individual 
wants things God's ways in their life. We don't want to be rebellious against him. So it says here, he will subdue. Who is he going to subdue? It says here, Amim, peoples. And it says here, and this is the wonderful thing, when we look here, it says, Yadber Amim Takhtenu. He is going to subdue peoples under us. Now, what is that telling us? Well, it speaks to us in this way. One who worships God. They're going to see God giving to us authority, giving us rule, putting us in leadership, doing things in our life where we have responsibility over more and more people. So God will subdue people under us. And then he goes on to say in this same verse, and, and peoples, this means nations, and nations under our feet. Now, what it speaks about, in the same way that, that God speaks of Messiah, Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ, saying that he's going to bring the nations under his foot, at his footstool. It says that same thing to us. Why? Well, in the kingdom experience, for example, in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verse 4, and verse 6, that same 20th chapter, verse 6, it says that we are going to rule and reign with him. So if we're ruling and reigning with him and he brings people under his feet, he is going to bring people under our feet. It all speaks about how worship positions you in a very different location than the rest of the world. That's his promise. And then he says, look now to the next verse, verse 5 in Hebrew, 4 in most other Bibles. Yifhar lanu et nachalatenu. He will choose for us. Now, God is choosing for us what our inheritance. He is looking at us and determining what will our inheritance be. Now, if you're not worshiping him, if you're not interested in serving him, you don't want to hear from him, you're not interested in his influence in your life, your inheritance is going to reflect that. But if the opposite is true, and you are someone who is sold out for the kingdom, sold out for his purpose, someone who prays diligently for his influence in your life, knowing what's pleasing to him so that you can do those things, then your inheritance that he's choosing for you is going to be very different. So it says, he will choose for us our inheritance. And then it speaks about, and the word here, gaon. Gaon has several different meanings. But in this context, it's probably a word that relates to majesty. Something that is wonderful. And is highly significant that we see this word next to the name Yaakov. So the majesty of, of Jacob, whom... He has loved Selah. Now, this word majesty, if you say that in modern Hebrew, 
It would probably be if you ask someone, Ma mazot hamila geon. What is this? The word geon. They would probably say it has to do with someone who is a genius, someone who is highly intelligent. And it's applied to who? Yaakov, Jacob. Why? Jacob was wise. He submitted to the instructions of his mother who had prophetic information. God spoke to her. She spoke to Jacob. And Jacob responded to what his mother shared with him. And because of that, Jacob, he was able to obtain the birthright, and the blessing that goes with it. And what it's saying here, it's this type of intelligence that is pleasing to God, that God loves. Very important. The intelligence, the majesty of Jacob, whom he has loved, Selah. And then the next verse, God has gone up with, and the word Teruah, Usually when we hear the word trua, we think of it in light of one of the sounds that the shofar makes. It's a shout. It's a blast. And it's not surprising to me at all when you look at this, it says, God has gone up with a, a blast, with a sound. The Lord with the sound or the voice of the shofar. Now, the term shofar, this ram's horn, when we see the first reference to it in the Bible, it comes within a context of provision. God providing what's necessary for, the context tells us, victory. Learn something. God wants you to live a victorious life. But here's the catch. You can't do it on your own. You can only do it in submissiveness to him, with his help, with his influence in your life. And this shout, notice what the scripture says. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the voice of the shofar. And he's up there and all of this, it begs the issue. He's up there. And what should we be doing? We should be wanting his attention wanting his influence, wanting to receive his provision because it's out of our reach. And the implication here, it's only through worship that we're going to have access to God's provision. Then the next verse that speaks loudly of, of worship, it says, praise God, praise. And then it says, praise to our king, Praise. Now, this word for praise is literally a word to sing praises. It comes from a word which speaks about one who is a singer. So praise God through song. So here we could translate it, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our king, sing, sing praises. Four times this word for singing praises appears in this verse. And then it goes on to say, for king, this is who he is. He's the king over all the earth. Who is? God. 
for a king over all the earth is God. And then once again it says, saying praise, and then this last word, the word mashkil. Now, we've talked about this, literally mashkil, and, and what it is here, it's a word of success. It's a word of accomplishment. And within this, it has the understanding of intelligence, understanding, wisdom. So when we look here, we could say in verse 8 in the Hebrew 7 and others, for God is king over all the earth, saying praise to him, and the implication is for success, for intelligence, for God to provide what you need to live that victorious life. For he, once again, it's God. Look at the next verse. God, now most Bible will say God reigns, but it's not the word molech. It is the word malach. What's the difference? This is in the past. Now, God reigns now. He forever will reign. But the point here is that past is used to speak of God in its entirety. God's rule is a rule over all things in its entirety. Not just over all things, but forever. God never ceases to be the king. So we read here, God has ruled over all nations. God has set upon the throne, his holy throne. Now, again, it's in the past, not speaking about a past event from the context. It's present and even more so in the future, where God's going to manifest his rule. He's going to manifest that he sits upon that holy throne. But the point that's being told to us is that he is ruler over all. There's nothing that hinders, nothing that stops, nothing that, that in any way challenges his rule, rule. He is supreme. And then we find first verse 10 in the Hebrew, verse 9 in, in the English, where it says, last verse, now, most Bibles will say the nobleman, but it's very interesting. This word, which, and it's fine to translate it, the noblemen or noble ones, but it's a word for generous ones. It's ones who are generous, giving. Those who use their resources to be a blessing to others. And what it says here is that these noble ones of the people, they are going to be gathered. And then it says, the people of the God of Abraham. Now, this term, the God of Abraham, very rare in the scripture. We see the God of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. We see the God of Jacob, but the God of Isaac, the God of Abraham, very, very rare. When Abraham's mentioned in the text, it is always in regard to him being a man of faith. And what did faith lead him to do? Faith caused Abraham to pursue the promises of God. What does that mean? To live in a way that would secure God's promises, his blessings in his life.
And the reason why this is here is because worship changes us. Worship brings us into God's provision. Worship gives us access to God, whereby we can utilize His influence, His presence, His provision everything that he will give to us in order that we will live that victorious life. So notice what it says here. The people of the God of Abraham. Now, when we look at this, according to the rules of Hebrew parallelism, we find that those who are generous are generous because they are seeking the promises of God like Abraham. They faith makes them generous. Faith does not cause us to store up, but rather faith causes us to distribute, to be giving people, generous people. And therefore, at the end, it says, for to God, and it speaks about God, and this to God means of God, belongs to God, are the, the shields of the earth. Now, when I walk in faith, I am going to understand God provides in my life. And I need to be a, a steward, a manager of this provision in order to be one who distributes what God has given to me to others. And when I do that, I am operating in faith and this is going to have a very, very good outcome in my life, in your life, the one who practices it. Why? Well, it's not just by accident that God says here at the end of our psalm, for to God are these shields of the earth. When I walk in faith, when I walk in generosity, the shields, and this is what we have here, magine eretz, the shields of the earth, are going to be, that belong to God, are going to be given, set up in front of me, to the side of me, behind me. And then it says, me'od, very or exceedingly, na'ale, exceedingly exalted. God, when we realize who he truly is, what he's able to do in our life for his will. See, it all comes down to this. Do I really believe that, that God's will is good? Do I really believe that when I walk with him, when I come to the end of my days, is there really going to be promises, blessings? Is there really a kingdom of God? See, most people, they have doubt. They may say that sinner's prayer, but, but deep down, they don't know. They're doing it just in case. In fact, I've heard preachers say, you know what? If it's not true and you accept them, what harm has you done? This is a outlandish, a horrible statement. It's true. All of this book is true. All of God's promises are, are real. We will never be disappointed. Do not think, well, what if, never that. Let your yes be yes. Do you believe in the promises of God? Yes, I do. Do you believe that he is going to take you into a kingdom 
of glory, of perfection, of righteousness, where he is there with you forever? Yes, I do. Do you believe that his will, his purposes, his plans are the best? Yes, I do. This is how Abraham thought. This is how he knew about God, that God is exceedingly exalted. And therefore, it's wise for us to move under his authority. And let me conclude with this. It is godly worship. Worshiping in spirit and truth as Yeshua taught. It is that type of worship that moves us underneath his authority. And when we are under his authority, there's no safer place to be. Shields are all around us. And we're going to realize that God is exceedingly exalted, meaning he's greater than anything else. And we are the people that belong to him. It doesn't get any better. Don't doubt. Don't live for the things of this world. Don't live based upon the philosophy of this world, but live for God. And the real proof, whether you are living for God, whether you have that same faith as Abraham had, is whether you are committed to worshiping the God of Israel. And you can only do that if you're in that, that gospel-centered relationship through Messiah Yeshua that you've accepted what he's done for you, that he's paid the price for all of your sins. He died to pay that price. He shed his blood so that you could experience godly redemption, God's redemption for you, and that redemption is eternal. No, when we look at what God is offering, what God is up to in our lives, we can't help but praise him. We will want to worship him, not just occasionally, not once a week or a few times, but we are going to make worship the priority of our life. And you can do that. All you need is this book of Psalms. All you need is a moment to get quiet, to get still before him and open up your Bible and begin to, begin to read and you're going to be amazed with how God speaks to you, how he's going to reveal things to you that he, through his spirit, will be your teacher. And he will reveal to you things that are awesome, things that you did not perceive, that you did not know. When you make worship the priority of your life, you are going to find out how wonderful worshiping God truly is. Well, I'll close with that. Until next week, Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.